Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. Look with me to 1 Chronicles 4, 9, and 10. Forgive my voice. Valerie said, you're talking fast today. And the problem is I'm trying to talk before I cough. So I'm trying to get a lot of words out before I cough. I've had a bit of a cough. And you can hear I'm a little hoarse, but... First Chronicles 4, 9 through 10, verse 9. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what? He requested. Notice this verse starts with Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and it ends with, so God granted him what he requested. I'd like to entitle this message today, Going from a Victim to a Victor. Going from a Victim to a Victor. Let's say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness and for your word. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, do what only you can do, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In preparation for this message, I read a number of articles regarding the victim mentality. I looked at psycho, psychological experts. I almost said psycho experts, but psychological experts and spiritualists and gurus, business experts, self-help coaches, I think we would all agree that the victim mentality actually takes away from our lives, reduces our productivity and effectiveness, and takes away from our potential. And it's often easy to spot in others, but sometimes it's difficult to see in ourselves. One source I read after put it like this, the victim mentality is a dysfunctional mindset which seeks to feel persecuted in order to gain attention or avoid self-responsibility. They go on. People who struggle with the victim mentality are convinced that life is not only beyond their control, it's also out to deliberately hurt them. This belief results in constant blame, finger-pointing, pity parties that are fueled by pessimism, fear, and anger. Simply put, having a victim mentality means that you blame other people and circumstances for the unhappiness that you feel. They go on. No one is born with a victim mentality, just as no one is born clinically depressed or anxious. Instead, the victim mentality is an acquired personality trait, meaning that it is the result of early life conditioning and coping mechanisms. Most victims were legitimately victimized in some way as children, perhaps through some kind of abuse. Self-victimization can also develop through codependent relationships with parents or simply by observing and adopting the unhealthy victim mentality exhibited by one or more of their family members. In other words, the victim mentality can be modeled. We can get it honest. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. One source said that playing the victim actually has a number of perks, rewards, 
that make it very difficult for us to break out of such a mindset, which is why most victims seem to be so emotionally invested in perpetuating this type of toxic behavior. I'm not trying to bore you. I just want you to follow me as we look at this. Some of the perks include the following. Not having to take personal responsibility for anything. Others lavishing you with attention. Others feeling sorry for you. Others are less likely to criticize or upset you. You have the right to complain. You're more likely to get what you want. You feel interesting because you get to tell people all of your stories. You don't feel so, uh, uh, you, you don't have to feel bored because there's too much drama going on in your mind. You get to avoid and bypass anger because you're too busy feeling sad about your situation. And there's some patterns that we could see through all of this. I believe there's truth in this. Playing the victim actually seems to give you a lot of power. Power to avoid responsibility. Power to feel righteously about your situation. You're sad, persecuted. Power to avoid uncomfortable emotions, confrontation. Power to control and manipulate other people. And I believe today God is wanting to break us out of the victim mentality and break us into the victor mentality into which he's called us. The days of our being a victim, I believe, are over the minute we're born again of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's time for us to move on and be the victor that he has destined us to be. So I want to start by looking at this fellow, Jabez. We just read about him. He's only mentioned here in this tiny passage, in these short few verses. But there's a lot that's said. There's a lot that lets us know if anybody had the perfect opportunity to embrace the victim mentality, it is this fellow by the name of Jabez. When Jabez was born, his mother went through a lot of pain and suffering. We're not told if this was just the physical pain that she went through or perhaps it was the circumstances surrounding his birth. But either way, she saw Jabez as a problem. She saw Jabez as the source of her suffering and pain. She didn't blame Jabez's daddy. She didn't blame nature itself, you know, or she didn't get theological and blame Adam and Eve or God or the devil. She blamed Jabez. And that blame was turned into shame, and that shame was turned into a name, and that name was Jabez. The name Jabez means sorrow. It was like she was saying, You are sorry, son. You're a mess. I'm sorry you were born. You you represent nothing but regret to me. And she hung that name on him like an albatross around his neck, like a scarlet letter on his chest. Where was daddy? Why didn't daddy say something? Hey, girl, it's not the kid's fault. That's a dumb name. Don't put that on him. You know that's your fault, girl. She's like, you know that's your fault, you know. But no, instead of that, she put it on Jabez. Where, where were his grandparents? I mean, his loving grandparents. Valerie, we, we got a box at the front door the other day, massive box. I'm like, what in the world? And I picked it up, and it was light, big old giant box. I opened it up. You know what it was? It was a giraffe, a stuffed giraffe. And I pulled it out. I'm like, it's a giraffe. Well, it's for baby Silas, but, you know, Lyra thinks it's for baby Lyra, right? 
what do you do for your grandkids, right? You do a lot. Well, where were the grandparents? Why didn't they say something? Hey, listen, girl, it's not his fault. You can't name this boy Sorrow. Don't do that to our grandson. But there was no intervention. At his birth, there was no intervention. So as a toddler, as a kid, as a teenager, as a young lifer, as a young adult, a hyphen, Jabez was identified with sorrow, regret, trouble, pain, and suffering. Think about that. What's your name? Sorry, sorrow, trouble, grief, pain, right? What a name to wear. Eventually, Jabez had a choice to make. He could choose to hold a grudge, to get invested in his circumstances and his situation, to get stuck in the victim mentality. I brought pain nobody wanted. I'm the source of regrets. I mess everything up. I mess all my relationships up. I can't get along with anybody. I can't seem to get anything right. I can't help myself. I'm such a pain. It's just the way I am. I'm sorry. That's the choice to adopt the victim mentality. That's a bitter choice. But he chose, Jabez chose something completely different. In spite of having a name like Jabez, Jabez chose the victor mentality. Not the bitter choice, but the better choice. And it radically changed his life. It set him apart. It caused him to rise above the ordinary into the realm of the extraordinary. It took him out of the boring, endless genealogies of Chronicles and caused us 3,500 years later to be talking about this boy, this man, Jabez. Verse 10 tells us how he did it. And Jabez called on the God of Israel. I'm going to tell you how he went from bitter to better and how he dropped the victim mentality and got a hold of the victor mentality. He prayed. He prayed. He learned how to pray. I'm going to talk about prayer today. You with me? I want to tell somebody. Prayer changes things. Not only does prayer change circumstances, prayer can change everything you've come to know about yourself. People may have judged you and written you off. She's a sorry, good for nothing. She'll never amount to anything. You know her past. People may have been prejudiced against you. Well, you know who his people are. You know where he comes from. You know how they behave. You know his past. People may have libeled you and, and, and lied on you and labeled you and hung a name on you. He's lazy. He's a liar, a cheat, a loser. She's a slut, a drunk, an addict. They're just sorry people. But I'm going to tell you, in spite of what you may have been labeled with, that text says that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers because he prayed. He refused to let his past dictate who he was going to be in his future. You can't define me by my past circumstances. I'm going to call the God of Israel. Come on, give him praise. Even with a name like Jabez, oh, sorry, insisted on rising above all of that stuff. And that caught the attention of God, by the way. God called what he did honorable. He was more honorable than his brothers. Think about that. The Hebrew for honorable is kavad. It means weighty, substantive, 
solid. It conveys the idea of not being hollow or shallow or flighty. In other words, Jabez had substance. Jabez had integrity. He was solid. He carried weight. He was not a fly-by-night. He was not here today, gone tomorrow. He was in it to win it. He was in it for the long haul. You hear what I'm saying? You don't have to live the hollow life of the victim. With God's help, you can rise above all of that and become the victor that he's destined you to be. Your future is not defined by your past. It is not predetermined by your hiccups and your your fallings and your failings and the circumstances surrounding your past. I'm telling you, if you'll call on God, on the Lord Jesus Christ, he can cause you to rise above the victim mentality. Somebody's hearing what I'm saying. I'm not talking about where you go to church and you cut a rug and you go home and live like the devil. I'm talking about where God changes everything about you, what you should have been, what the devil meant you to be. It's all changed because you called on the name of the Lord. And now you're starting to say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. He always causes me to triumph every day and every way. He He's causing all things to work together for the good, for my good. Why? Because I love him. Why? Because he's called me. He's got plans and purposes for me and a future for me and a destiny for me. Not a victim, baby. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. Come on. I'm a victor. The old timers called it praying through. Now, I come from old school Pentecost. Don't I, Johnny? We, we come from old school Pentecost. And, uh, and, uh, and the old timers called it praying through. What I thought that meant was like I pray until I'm through, right? Like I'm finished. So I'm like, you know, our Father who art in heaven, you know, thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Amen. I said amen. I'm through. I prayed through. Old timers like, no, you didn't pray through. What they meant was you pray to where you just pray and you pray and you pray some more. And you pray some more, and then you pray some more, and you pray until the atmosphere begins to shift. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you pray until something begins to change on the inside. Now I understand that. You pray until something happens. Yeah, that was a, a theme back in the 80s, you know, push, pray until something happens. You pray until you pray through. You pray until something shifts, until there's a change. You just pray until you pray through. It, it, it's, it's a powerful concept. January the 7th of this year, after some intense prayer and fasting, we were all involved in that. The Lord, man, I prayed again. <laughs> I prayed until I prayed through. And, and, and I got to do that, uh, you know, like on a regular basis. And all of us need to do that on a regular basis. Some of y'all think, well, he's pastor. He, he's always through. What? I ain't always through. I'm not always prayed through. I got to pray through and then pray through again. We all have to do that. And January 7th, baby, I prayed through again. I was praying here at the church, just praying, just praying and, and, and prayed until all of a sudden the atmosphere began to change and something began to shift on the inside of me. The, the Lord spoke to my spirit. I've shared this with you all. And, and he said, Donovan, I'm going to do a work in your spirit, and it's going to change your thinking. And once it changes your thinking, everything you touch is going to rise, man. That's what I'm talking about, praying until you pray through. Everything began to shift. I was in Opelousas. I had lunch with our banker. I, I, 
I was sitting across the table from him. I told him the story. He started crying. I said, the Lord told me everything I touch is, is going to rise. It's going to change. He, he's crying. He said, touch me. In a Mexican restaurant. I touched him and prayed for him. Amen. Come on now. I'm just saying where, where something shifts and something changes, God is wanting some people around this place to begin to rise, and we will if we'll learn how to pray and pray through. God's wanting to do something powerful. I'm not talking about vain repetition, though. Morton mentioned that last week. You know, just vain repetition. Just saying the same words over and over and just kind of just, just same old same. Sometimes praying through, I'm just going to be, can I, can I just break it down? Sometimes it's not pretty. I'm not talking about praying pretty prayers. I'm not, sometimes it's ugly. Can I, can I say it? Sometimes it's ugly. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about stuff that changes you. It, it, sometimes it's ugly. It's, it's, oh, God. Oh, God. It's, it's a wrestling match. Oh, God, I've, you've got to do something. I need a change in my life. I need this mountain to move. I need these circumstances. Sometimes it's groanings which cannot be uttered. Sometimes it's praying in tongues. Sometimes it's unintelligible speech, just moans and, and groans. You've got to pray. It's not just vain repetition. Jabez was a Jew. There's evidence from the text he was from the tribe of Judah. And it called, it says it, on the God of Israel. He did not call on the God of Jacob. He called on the God of Israel. Now we know Jacob's name was changed to Israel. The name Jacob means heel grabber because he was the second of twins to be born and he was grabbing his brother's heel, his older brother's heel. And it was a picture of the rest of his life. He always wanted to be the firstborn, but life wasn't fair. He was the secondborn. He would not get the blessing of the firstborn. And so he always lived his life living down to the name that he was given, Jacob, heel grabber, second place, backslapper, politician, until one night God changed his name to Israel, which means a prince with God, royalty, someone with power. Jacob represented the flesh. Israel represented the spirit, the word, the covenant, the redemptive power and work of God. And one night by the book, Brook Jabok, Jacob decided to abandon the victim mentality and get a hold of God and get the victor mentality. He, he wrestled with that angel all night long, wouldn't let him go. The angel could have wiped him out, but he was saying, how bad do you want this, son? And Jacob kept wrestling and kept wrestling. I won't let you go until you bless me. I won't let you go until you bless me. And finally, at the dawn of the day, the Lord touched him, and he walked different and changed his name. Jabez was calling on the name that God had given to Jacob, the God of Israel. He turned Jacob was turned into Israel, and he was saying, God, if you did it for Jacob, you don't have to change my name. 
but I just need you to do what you did for me to Jabez. I want you to bless me. I don't want to let you go until you bless me. You don't have to change my name. You don't have to change all that. Just change my future, God. I'm telling you, God is wanting to change some destinies at LifePoint Church today. No matter what your past has looked like, we serve a God who can change your future. Give him some praise. Amen. It's cool, man. In, in Genesis 35, 16 and 19, Rachel, Jacob's wife, his favorite wife. You know what I'm saying? Like Valerie's my favorite wife. And uh, Rachel was Jacob's favorite wife. And she was dying as she gave birth to a son. So here we have sorrow. Here we have a birth. Here we have a kid. And with her dying breath, she named him Benomi, which means son of my sorrow. But Jacob stepped in. Jacob knew something about names. He had worn that name, Jacob, you know, heel grabber. He, he understood name changes. And she said, his name is Benomi, son of my sorrow. And Jacob said, no, that's not his name, woman. I'm sorry you're dying and stuff, but like, that's not his name. You're my favorite wife. Don't forget that. But his name will be Benjamin. Son of my right hand, son of blessing, son of favor. Jacob knew something about the value of identity. Jabez didn't have a father like that. Jacob didn't either. His daddy named him Jacob. And, and, And Jacob refused for that to happen to Benjamin. If God can do it for Jacob, this is what Jabez is thinking. If God can do it for Benjamin and change his destiny. If God can do it for them, then Jabez was saying, Lord, you heard their prayers. You can do it for me as well. And there's people in this house that you hear what I'm saying. If God can do it for Donovan, if God can do it for Wayne, if God can do it for Milton and Valerie, if God can do it for Cassandra and Russell and Shana and Nick, if God can do it for us, I'm telling you, God can do it for you. He can change your destiny No matter what your name may have been, no matter the identity that was given to you, I know a name that is above every name. It's a name that has been given. There is no other name uh, under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I know a name that's been given that is a strong tower that we can run into and lose our old self in that tower, the power of his name, and get a new identity. You are not a child of brokenness. You are not a child of sin and pain and wounding and sorrowful. You're a child of the living God. (laughs) Some of us need to pray some big prayers in this place because it's the one that we're praying to that makes the difference. When you put your focus on the God of Israel, it changes the way you pray. It takes the fear out of it. Jabez was not afraid to pray big prayers because of the one he was praying to. It wasn't just the act of praying, just going through ritual. It was, it was what he prayed and to whom he was praying. He prayed some specific prayers 
Listen to this. He prayed five big prayers. Number one, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Now, right there, that, that knocks a lot of us out. I'm unworthy. I could never ask thee for something that grand and great. But you know what God said about that prayer? He was more honorable than his brothers. Meaning, his brothers didn't pray those prayers. His brothers just were content to live with the victim mentality. Well, this is just the way it is. This is just, I'm always going to work in this job. I'm always going to be this way in relationships. I'll never change, you know. It's the way I was raised. It's the way I was brought up. It's my DNA. It's my genetics. It's nature. It's nurture. It's all of it put together. It made me who I am. I can't change who I am. Says who? God said, that's not honorable. Jabez is over here with everything against him. And he says, oh, God of Israel. I wish you would bless me indeed. Now, now listen, he knew something. This is, this is covenant stuff. What did God tell Abraham? I will bless those that bless you and curse them that curse you. I'm going to set you above only and not beneath. This is Jabez. He's from the tribe of Judah. He comes from a people of blessed people, but he's living way below his blessings. He's like flat on his belly, but he's looking up saying, I don't want to live down here any longer. I want to come up to where the promises are. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. I'm praying that you would. Somebody needs to hear this today. God wants to lift you up above all the mundane and the ordinary into the extraordinary. That you would bless me that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory. The scholars say this is speaking of the promised land. They were going into the promised land to take territory. And he's saying, I want a lot of it. In other words, you have promises. I want them all. I don't want to settle for a few of them. I don't want to settle for the promises that the Methodists say I can have only. I don't want to settle for the promises that the Baptists say I can have only. I don't want to settle for the promises that the Pentecostals say I can have because a lot of times the Pentecostals say you can get the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, but God wants you to be poor. God wants to, like, grind you into the dirt sometimes and just, just you know, like, he doesn't really love you. He's just, just, I don't know. Sometimes I don't know. Maybe I know. Maybe I, I, I better shut up. Okay. I'm talking too fast. Stop it. He doesn't want you just to have the blessings that only, you know, the Catholics say you can have or only the Episcopalians say you can have. We've seen that old song. Every promise in the book is mine. Belongs to me. It's mine. I can be healed. I can be delivered. I can be set free. You can supply my needs. You can give me supernatural peace. I can, listen, I'm telling you, I don't, I'm not, I don't have to be addicted to these drugs, whether they're prescription or whether they're illegal. I don't have to be addicted to this stuff. I don't have to watch that on a regular basis. I can be set free from that. Every promise in the book is mine. If he sets me free, I'm free indeed. I'm sick of living in bondage. I'm ready to live and, and, and enlarge my territory, God. Give me everything you've got for me. I'm sick of living below my privileges. I want everything you got for me. No, that sounds so unreligious, so self-centered, so arrogant. He's not praying for his brothers. He's praying for himself. Bless me. What about your brothers? 
I can't bless them until you bless me. Bless me, God. Bless me, God. Come on now. Bless me, God. Some of us, we're so busy trying to get other people saved and set free, and we're living in bondage ourselves. Forget about them for a minute, right? Forget about them for a minute. Forget about them for a minute. Lord, it's between you and me. Take care of me first. Take care of mama first. Take, take care of me first. Come on, Lord. Fix me, Lord. Doesn't that sound like the gospel? I'm going to do a work in you. It's going to blow your mind. Now go tell everybody about it. Let me do the work in you, and then you go tell people about it. Go tell people what great and marvelous things the Lord has done in your life. Do it in me. Some of us need to get that, can I say it, that righteous, if it's possible. This, oh, God, this could go out on the podcast, but like this righteous selfishness. You know what the Lord said? He was more honorable than his brothers. Oh, that you would bless me. Enlarge my territories. And listen, a lot of the older commentators and scholars say, it's not just enlarge my territories, it's in give me land. He said, increase my disciples. In other words, I I don't want to get saved and lose my kids. I don't want to lose my babies and my grandbabies. And they're like, oh, you know, I got a praying grandmother. I'm going to call her. I got a praying grandfather. I'm going to call him because when they pray, things happen. No, no, no. I I want my kids and my grandkids to say the same God that works in my grandmother and my grandfather and my mother and my father is working in me. Jabez was saying, let me have disciples. Give me generations of people. Hey, what if your kids have the same faith that you have? Think about that. I want the same faith that's in me to be in my babies and in my grandbabies. And they are bold as lions, man. I want them to go out and do exploits and change the world. Change the world. Stand with me right now. Stand with me right now. Enlarge my territories, Father. Make them bigger. Give me disciples, Lord. Dear Lord, I've got so many notes. It's really, I just totally blew all hermeneutical principles and, and gobs and gobs and gobs of notes. It's there's just so much in this. I love the end of it, though. He prayed three more gigantic prayers. So, so God granted him what he requested. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It, it is. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You have not because you ask not, James said. Ask anything in my name, Jesus said, I'll do it. We know if we ask anything according to his will, a lot of us just not clear on the will. Get in the covenant, get in the word, find out, man. And then pray until something shifts. Until something changes. Not religion. Our Father who art in heaven, our Father who art in heaven. And then we talk ourselves into, oh, it was effective prayer. Live like the devil. All kind of junk happening. Nah, that wasn't effective. I'm not taking away. I'm not criticizing. I guess you could say I am, but I understand. I'm saying there's more. There's a different level. Pray until there's a shift in the heavenlies, in the atmosphere. Change. Something changed. The old timers called it, Johnny, they called it, I got the victory. Anybody ever heard that? I got the victory. I came in with defeat. 
I left with the victory. Jabez entered into a prayer meeting, defeated, sorry, but he left with the victory, and God granted him his request. I'm going to honor you, son. I'm going to bless your socks off. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.